Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. For those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each episode, we take a topic that we know very little about, and then we give ourselves one week to read and research all about it, with the idea being that we then do the hard work and then share the most important and useful information with you, the listeners. Yes, we do. And um, so we're not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you all, we can all learn a little bit about a whole lot of things. That sounds really good to me. Right then, let's get on with this week's topic, which is the weather. All right, Ollie, the weather then. Interesting one this week. What exactly do you think you knew about the weather before we started? (laughs) I know next to nothing about the weather. I know when it's hot, when it's cold, um, and I rely massively on my phone to let me know what's going on so I know whether I should take an umbrella or not. How about yourself? Yeah, well, you know what? You think you know stuff, but I don't think I knew almost a single thing about what we're about to talk about until I started reading about it. I agree. Like. It's so interesting. I say that all the time, but everything I say, I did not know until one week ago or until today, basically. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, I I know I don't like the sun very much. I'd much rather it be a bit colder, but other than that, nothing. Yep. It's, yeah, really interesting week. And we hope everybody else feels the same way as well after they've listened to this. So, shall we start at the very beginning? And actually, did you find out what the definition of weather is? Yeah, so I started by what is weather. Yeah, what is weather? And the first thing that came up was the Merriam-Webster Dictionary Explanation of Weather. Weather is the state of the atmosphere with respect to heat or cold, wetness or dryness, calm or storm, clearness or cloudiness. Yep, makes what sense. That, to you? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds but, pretty obvious. I think I think that's that bit's all all right. That that makes sense. Yeah. So there is some confusion though between the word weather and the word climate. Yes, there? there is. So there, there is a slight difference between the two, and that maybe make that will make weather a bit more clear. So do you know the difference between weather and climate? No, you can go ahead. You can do that one. Okay, so weather is basically a minute-by-minute version. Like if you looked out your window now, that is the weather. What is the weather doing? Climate is like long-term, over the space of a month or a, six months or a year. Um, what is the climate? So you, know, you can live in, in a really hot place and it rain one day, but that looking out the window at the rain doesn't mean that you live in a rainy place. Just yeah. the weather on that day is rain, but over time it is really hot. Yes. Um, so cli- climate is over time. Weather is minute by minute, but yeah, I guess they are sort of linked to each other, aren't they? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. So obviously step one was to find out what it was. And then step two was why exactly do we have weather? Yeah. And, I think we both was messaging about this same thing. Uh, do you want to have a stab at trying to explain this? Uh, it's dangerous. It, it goes a bit cryptocurrency, doesn't it, trying to explain this too much? So <laughs> we'll just maybe scrape the surface. And uh, spoiler alert again, but we do have a really good interview lined up for later in the week. Yes, uh, yeah, we Hopefully do. some of this will get sorted out. But let's go as simple as we can. Uh, we'll try and explain why we have weather. So the, the most simple explanation of why we have weather is because of the sun. And it's the sun that heats up different parts of the earth and it then reflects that heat up 
and creates a movement of air in the atmosphere. And depending on what the sun is shining onto, so it heats up different aspects of the earth in different ways. So it obviously heats up the water and the ocean differently to it heats up the land and um, buildings, for example. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and also, you've, you know, you've got the, the North and the South Pole, you've got the equator, um, you've got the fact that the Earth is tilted and that it rotates, you've got day and night. So you end up with all these different heat imbalances. And what happens there is the, um, the air gets warm when it's heated by the, by the sun, warm air rises, and then cold air rushes to fill these gaps where the hot air was. That creates wind. That's where your yes. wind comes from. But also as the hot air rises, it, it condenses, doesn't it? It turn, basically turns into to clouds and rain and hail and snow. Yes. Um, and then the cool air does not turn into rain and snow. So if you've got cool air, it's quite sunny. Um, but yeah, th- these heat imbalances across the planet create all these different weather systems. And if, if it was all universally heated, nothing would happen. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If, uh, if we were all heated in the same way, then we wouldn't have this different rises air and cold air coming in to replace that which then creates the wind and all of this weather happens in the lower layer of the earth's atmosphere that's where it gets trapped within all the the gases that then allow the the heat to and what have you to to stay in so yeah yeah that then led me to start reading about pressure did you do that as well like high pressure low pressure because they always mention that in the news like oh we've got high pressure front high pressure yes. system coming in yeah low pressure system coming in i like I, and i started trying to find out what that meant so essentially high, high pressure is happy weather isn't it yeah 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 oh yeah definitely let's just let's get this before we mess up the explanation high pressure is happy weather low pressure is lousy weather yes that's right isn't it yeah so so pressure is the air above us pushing down on the ground, right? That's, that's what, when they say pressure, that's what they mean. The weight of all of the air above our head pushing on us. Now, low pressure means that the air is not pushing on us very hard because the air is warm. So warm air rises. And as it's rising, that means it is not pushing on us. Yes. But as the warm air rises and it condenses, like we've just said, it does create rain. So when you have low pressure, you basically have got warm air and the warm air is rising, condenses, turns into rain clouds and it rains on our head. If we've got high pressure, that means that the air is cold because cold air is heavier than hot air. So the air does not rise and it stays down low and it cannot rise to condense, which means you end up with quite nice weather. When you have low pressure, although it is a cold, piece of air coming in if you like it does not rise it does not condense and you end up with nice weather yes yep that's right and these these different pressures then create something which people might well have heard of which are weather fronts and the best or easiest way to think of what a weather front is if you hear weather forecasters saying oh we've got a warm front moving in or we've got you know a cold front there so fronts they basically they mark the boundary or the transition zone between two air masses and they have a really important impact on the weather for exactly why Liam has said because if you have two fronts a cold front pressing on a on a hot front it will go under it the hot front will rise and disappear and then you'll have the cold front below which means that that then leaves you with the weather that a cold front leaves you with yeah yeah but that cool air 
rushes into the gap left by the warm air. As the warm air rises, the cool air rushes into that gap. Yes. And when I say rush, I'll try and think of it as one goes up, the other one rushes into the gap underneath. That's where your wind comes from. That's what wind is. It's the change of pressure between these fronts. Yeah. Um, and that's, there's some really interesting things you can watch on YouTube. There's some really interesting experiments using things to show you wind, uh, which is where I learned that basically. Yeah. And depending on the difference in temperature between these two fronts. So if you have a really warm front and a really cold front, so imagine they've, they've got a more extreme temperature difference when the two of them then come into contact, that creates a stronger front and there's more of a reaction. And by having that reaction, it's more likely to then create strong or intense weather um, because there'll be a quicker change in in the temperature that's coming in. So that's where you can then get more extreme things like tornadoes and hurricanes and what have you. Yeah. Well, hopefully we've explained that sort of nice. Okay. Um, basically high pressure, happy weather, low pressure, lousy weather. That's, that could almost be a takeaway. If we had a takeaway jingle, just play it now. Let's do <laughs> the episode. Right, done. <laughs> okay. So we, we sort of tried to explain what weather is, where it comes from. What is a weather forecast though? Because we we started then, didn't we? We started reading about forecasting and how it's forecast and things like that. But again, yeah. we sort of started at the start again. What is a weather forecast? Yeah, so it all boils down to just attempting to predict weather conditions in the future. And they are short-term predictions that are typically between one and seven days in advance. And we'll come on to that a bit later, why it's one to seven days in advance. But the way that the, the weather forecasters work there are meteorologists so they're, they're the people behind it they're the people who study um, the atmosphere and atmospheric pressure and they use then science to then um, come up with the forecast and what they do is the forecast begins with just observations of the atmosphere looking around seeing what's what's out there collecting a lot of data and information in all different ways and they then pull all this information together they observe it in computer models and they have supercomputers that are immensely powerful, churning all this massive data, which the weather forecasters then look at, they interpret in their own models. And then that is where they then let you know what their thoughts are and their predictions are based on all this data that they've been tracking. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, it's basically, it's two pronged, isn't it? They, they take the data and they take these computer programs, basically crunch the data. Um, and use predictions based on that. What sorts of things are they looking for? Yeah, uh, there's, you know, when we say this data, what what is the data that they are looking for? I guess some of it we probably know, don't we? There's yeah, there, there, and there is there is lots of it, but just that there are six main components that make up all of this data that weather forecasters, meteorologists, then look at to then the the weather in the future. And this is the temperature, atmospheric yeah. pressure, cloud formation wind, humidity, and rain. So by looking all of those six in conjunction, you can then have a good idea what the weather is going to be like. So they do that with lots of different things, don't they? Like to, to collect that data. So the World Meteorolo Meteorological Organization uh, estimate there are approximately 15 satellites that they use, uh, 100 stationary buoys. So these must just be those things that float in the sea. Uh, 600 boys that are drifting around. They've got thousands of aircraft, thousands of ships, 
and they reckon approximately 10,000 different land-based weather stations. So they're all about trying to track all this data that you're talking about, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of those balloons that they have, they've got around 900 of these balloons around the world, which doesn't really sound like enough balloons, and they acknowledge it in some part, but they've got 900 balloons, massive balloons that um, that they set off. They're set off at the same time all around the globe, which is at midday and midnight GMT time. And okay. everyone sends their balloons up, all the data, all the data then gets centralized and collected and analyzed. Um, and that, that happens twice a day. Wow. I got stuck reading about the satellites. So okay. we've got a whole bunch of satellites up in space. And this goes back to sort of our space junk episode, I guess, a little bit. Um, but what's special about these satellites is they are, they're known as geostationary. Now, what that means is the satellite just sits above a certain part of the planet. So these are the ones that, you know, when you see the weather on the news, they show you like a map of the whole country and the, yep. the clouds are zooming over it. So they've got all these satellites up in space. But these satellites can track storms and clouds and water and water temperature, land temperature, currents of the ocean, like from up in space, traveling at whatever thousands of miles an hour we said they go. Uh, yeah, so I just thought that was amazing. I, I just don't know how they stay above they stay above one point as if they're tied to a big string. Yes. They, yeah, they like you were saying, just, just getting them positioned in a place, obviously going yeah. around the earth at the same speed on the same rotation. Yeah, always just sitting above England or above America, or wherever. But yeah, yeah. so they track that, don't they? Um, how, uh, how reliable is it then? So there's, there's something that I got stuck into, just, just wondering. I got, it, it was my own curiosity that I got stuck into just how do they measure rain? Oh, go on then. And it was, I was yeah, like, how do they know? Outside and just like see how much it fills up and go right, <laughs> yeah. two millimetres. And that, that, it turns out, it is nearly as simple as that. It genuinely is. So they've got these, uh, they've got these rain gauges with two little buckets on either side. So there's, there's a bit of a funnel and water then goes into this, these two little, they're, they're like a scale. It's like two sets of scales. When one fills up, yeah. it then tips over. And it like measures that one has tipped over and then the other one fills up and it tips over and it keeps on going between the two of them. And by how quickly they're filling up and how many times they do it, they then gauge that's how much rainwater there's been. But where you said earlier that there are over 10,000 of these different stations where they're collecting all this data from, a lot of that is done by universities or volunteers or just members of the public who they have their own little weather stations that will have um yeah so it'll be measuring data every 15 minutes it'll be measuring the wind speed what's happening in that local area it'll be measuring um how much what the what the air pressure is in that area it'll be measuring these two little rain scale gauges that will be ticking off and it'll be then sending all of that data back to either the the central uh, place for them to then gather all this information together. Very quickly, though, talking about rainfall, I was going to mention this is going to be my two guys, one topic takeaway, but I've found another one since. Very quickly talking about rainfall, Unionville, Maryland holds the record. In 1956, it had the most rainfall in 60 seconds. Okay. In 60 seconds, they had... 
32 millimeters. So more than three centimeters of rain in a single minute. Wow. That is the most rain that has ever fallen in one minute anywhere on the planet. And that was 50 <laughs> something years in the 60 something years ago now. So just, uh, I don't know if anybody knows, we try and plan what we're saying and we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent here. So let's try and pull it back to what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So, so we, we're talking about um, um, what they're looking for, how they, how they take the data, what, what data they're looking for and stuff. Um, but I, I mentioned before you started saying that, how reliable is a weather forecast nowadays? Did we or did you? I mean, I, I've got something here, but did you find out how reliable they are? Yeah. So this is where we were saying earlier that it's the predicting of a weather from one to seven days in advance. And that's because long range forecasts are less accurate. And the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration suggests that a seven day forecast can accurately be predicted about 80 percent of the time and a five day forecast can accurately be predicted approximately 90 percent of the time and they're much more accurate now aren't they than they used to be so yeah so so the the uk's met office says that they can accurately forecast five days ahead as accurately as they could 24 hours ahead 20 years ago so they're they're basically saying that yeah they're 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 better now predicting five days out as accurately as what they could have done a day a year ago yeah but obviously there's some reasons for this why it is so tricky to accurately forecast it. Yeah, it's just it, it, the stuff they're trying to track is so ch- it changes so quickly. Yeah. They're trying to track air pressure, temperature, uh, co- ocean currents, how much rain there is, what the clouds are doing. Like, how can you possibly predict that? Like, yeah. it's just. And we, we said, didn't we? Well, you mentioned it earlier. Like, they haven't got enough stuff. How can how can eight hundred balloons be enough? and yeah. 2,000 boats. How can that cover the whole planet? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it it can't, it just can't. You need that many in Australia just to, you know, like, um, like <clears throat> it, you know, if you've got a weather station at the bottom of Argentina, like right down in South America, and the next thing nearest that is 2,000 miles away on a boat, how do you know what's happening in between that? that yes. And yes. that's what these computer programs are trying to do, aren't they? They're trying to model and they're trying to, they're basically guessing. They're using historical data and everything that's happened before um, to try and fill the gaps, essentially. They've got all these points around the world that they know what they genuinely know what's happening, but all yes. the gaps have got to get filled. And yeah. as our computers get stronger and better, um, obviously they're going to be able to fill it better. Um, but yeah, that's that's where the inaccuracies lie, I guess. Yeah, because they're, they're measuring, as you were saying, this air pressure, temperature, it's, you know, it's going down to like, molecules like water droplets you know essentially what what it is that they're trying to measure globally and they've just got no way of controlling or being able to accurately see what all of that is doing from the ground all the way up to you know the the height of the atmosphere and everywhere in between it's just super tricky to do it yeah and you know they know or you know in in doing reading it's going to get more i read somewhere let me just read this little quote from a document I was reading or something advancements in numerical weather prediction and more recently in climate projections have gone hand in hand with progress in scientific computing capabilities so as our computers have gotten better our ability to predict the weather has improved yep 
that makes so sense. It will so, continue to do so in the future, I guess. Yeah, and they the, the way that they actually started to get accurate weather was at in the the early 1900s was when the temperature gauge was invented. So they, they had the temperature yeah. gauge and they had the barometer, which measures air pressure. And once they had those two things, they then started to have some sort of an idea about what weather could do. But in terms of making it more and more accurate, it is super hard to predict. So talking about predictions, um, one of the earliest attempts uh, to calculate the weather was by a guy called Lewis Fry Richardson in 1922. Okay. And he used a bunch of equations to try and calculate by hand a, a six-hour forecast for the state of the atmosphere over two points in Europe. So he, he was using all these equations. He was just trying to guess the weather for six hours over two points in Europe. <laughs> Unfortunately, it took him more than six weeks to calculate his forecast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then by that time, did he just get someone to tell him what happened six weeks ago? Yeah, yeah exactly. Just remind me what was happening when I started this, because that, <laughs> that would be right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, there was another guy in the 1960s who was an MIT university, MIT meteorologist by the name of Edward Lorenz. And he came up with a description like that was quite apt of how difficult it is to predict this. And he called it the butterfly effect. And that was where he was okay, referring yeah. to the knock-on effect that if a butterfly flaps its wings in Asia, could that ultimately drastically alter the weather in London? Is there that yeah. sort of knock-on effect by you know a little bit of weather change here? It then helps create you know a different weather front. Yeah. It then has that whole knock-on effect. And today, what Lorenz studied and came up with is actually known as chaos theory. Um, and he he noticed that he was running a whole load of numbers and equations, like you said, your your guy was doing, but he accidentally rounded hit the computer he had at the time was rounding, which should have been to six decimal places, to three decimal places. And he didn't think that there was going to be much of a difference. But for one of his variables of those six that we spoke about, area, the temperature, the air pressure, the wind speed, one of those was out by a couple of decimal places. And it threw out the whole prediction massively. And it just then highlighted that by having just one of these variables slightly off, you know, we're talking about a couple of decimal places to five decimal yep. places, it then ultimately has a huge effect. And it's just because it's such a complex system of bringing together all these different numbers and figures. Chaos theory could be an episode in itself. So let's just let that, let's steer clear of describing that anymore. This <laughs> is a big deal, isn't it? <laughs> so it is super difficult to predict and you can really only rely on a forecast of seven days out max, you're really talking about five days, really. But is there a way that they can then try and make these forecasts more accurate? It's essentially exactly what we've already mentioned. You know, it's twofold. They need more data from more sources and better computers doing much more complicated programs. Um, And, you know, as soon as those two things happen, the weather prediction will get better. Um, it's basically as simple as that. If they have more balloons, more boats, more planes, more satellites, stronger computers, I don't know, networked computer, I don't know, I don't know how it works, but if they were better, yeah, they could they could they could do it better. 
process and crunch more data. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then um, yeah, they'd exactly. stand a chance, but it's still super, still super difficult because yeah, just one of those variables changing can massively and knock things out. Obviously, one of the biggest it would be remiss of us not to at least talking about the weather to at least mention climate change. Um, yeah, talking about stuff changing um, and affecting stuff. So essentially, climate change it it used to be global warming, but you know they've realised that not everything is necessarily warming up. We create too much uh, of these greenhouse gases, typically carbon dioxide and methane, um, that the heat can't escape, and the planet is warming up, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, I guess this could be a topic on its own, climate change, but that's essentially what it is. But it is having some effect, isn't it, on the weather? Yeah, and by having inaccurate forecasts, it it can affect so many parts of the world and society and, and the globe. And so that there is a, a call for having these better predictions coming in. I mean, one of the examples that I was reading, just simple things that you don't really think about, but will impact different parts of society. So citrus farmers, people growing citrus fruits, um, apparently citrus fruit is really susceptible to bad frosts. And if they definitely knew that a frost was coming tonight, then they would then pick their fruits and not wait an extra day. Or there's, you know, just things like outdoor outdoor activities if you're you know building something you know a huge construction project that's going on you call yeah. a load of people in and get them to do the work but it all gets rained off or what have you then it's just wasted money and people can't work so yeah trying to have yeah. more accurate forecasts is is huge and trying to Air minimize m- minimize the um the effects that you get from climate change i mean some of those are massive aren't they in terms of the increase in hurricanes or tornadoes or floods yeah. drought forest fires um but you know it's not just because the planet is warming up that doesn't necessarily mean everything's getting hotter and drought droughtier that's not the word drier <laughs> less rainy you know sometimes it rains more or more or heavy or more or heavier okay me english no good uh so it um because the sea warms up there's more evaporation you end up with more rain because you know as it evaporates you get more clouds and then that cloud dumps that rain somewhere so we're going to end up with, you know, it can be stronger hurricanes, more rainfall, possibly larger rainfall. You know, all these things are going to happen yeah. um, because of the climate change, which is. And then the, the impact of that also, it, it creates billions of pounds worth of damage every year. Yeah, yeah. So I read, for example, that hurricanes cost an estimated $28 billion of damage in 2017. And globally, there's an average of 100,000 weather-related deaths each year caused by drought, heavy rains or flooding um, and and heat waves. And just that more extreme weather has huge knock-on effects. Absolutely. Well, that's a sad point to uh, basically end our podcast on, isn't it? (laughs) We've got a couple more things. But um, so have we got got a takeaway? Yes. Yeah, I've got a takeaway. My one is about a little bit of a weather phenomenon that we've not discussed this week yet. And it's all about lightning. And okay. I ended up going down a little bit of a rabbit hole all about lightning this week. And it turns out that the earth is struck over 1.3 billion times every year by lightning. Wow. So that's a B with a billion, 1.3 billion times a year. So we're- How often is that? So that is over 3 million times a day or 44 strikes every second. 
And I, so I actually did read a bit about lightning. It does strike the same place twice, doesn't it? Because obviously if you're in a big area and there's one yep. tall something, it will hit that. It will just always hit that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, 44 strikes a second. So as we're talking now, there's somewhere around the world, there's 44 strikes on average that are going. And just to let, let you know a few more stats about lightning, which I found quite interesting, is that a bolt of lightning is about two to three centimetres in width, but the average length of it is two to three miles. Wow. Which is pretty incredible. And the charge that's carried down it is so intense that the temperature of it increases and lightning has a temperature of around 30,000 Celsius degrees Celsius, which is five times hotter than the surface of the sun. Whew, man. Pretty mad. That is lightning fast. <laughs> what about your two guys, one topic takeaway? Right. I went into my own little rabbit hole this week about whether we can control the weather. Okay. Because I remember when I used to play Red Alert on the on the PC, you could control the weather and like send storms to people. So anyway, turns out we there is some science about controlling the weather and it's called cloud seeding. So what they do is they fly up into the clouds and they let go or put in the clouds something called silver iodide, which essentially what it does is it encourages the water to form into snowflakes. It encourages it to condense. So you go up into a cloud, you drop all this silver iodide in, and you essentially make the cloud rain. Okay. Or snow, or, you know, they tend to do it above above mountain ranges so that it snows on the mountain so that they get water come down the mountain, um, in particularly dry areas. So it turns out, yeah, there is some science behind that and that it is it does look like it might be working. They think they might have 15% more rain come out of a cloud that they've cloud seeded. Oh, so, wow. So, yeah, if you're interested in it, go and read about cloud seeding. Yeah, they fly up silver iodide. It encourages the cloud to rain or snow and... You know, we can control the weather a little bit. Oh, nice. Interesting. I never knew about that. That sounds good. So on that note then, Liam, we've done our two guys, one topic takeaway. I think it's probably time for us to introduce a new segment to our podcast, yep. which will be listener messages. So here we go. So we've Mate, got- Hold on, hold on. We've got to get a better music than that. <laughs> let us know what you think about that music someone because i'm not 100 sold i've got to be honest <laughs> i think it's perfect yeah let us know let us know what you think so we've we've got yeah a couple of messages so now as we've said before now that liam and i we're, we're recording live every week um please yeah, get in contact with us let us know your thoughts it's brilliant to to hear your topic suggestions or just where you're listening to the pod um, so yeah, yeah, hit us up and let us know how it is that you're you're finding the pod or, or listening to it. We've got one that came in this week from a guy called Nick in the UK. He contacted us over Facebook to say, hi, Ollie and Liam, just wanted to say really well done on the podcast. I'm enjoying listening to them when I'm out running. I even use the Olympics one to help with my son's homework. Keep up the good work, Nick. Mate, that was great. So he really is sharing knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I've got a decent one. I don't know if everybody knows this, but we are pretty worldwide now, aren't we? We're in approximately 50 countries, and that's legit. That's not even made up. 50 different <laughs> countries have listened to our pod. This one comes all the way from Germany. Okay. This comes from a girl called Julia Herschel. And I might have got that wrong, Julia, so please let us know. I apologize. She wrote to us to say, 
just wanted to let you know that your podcast is really good. I've listened to all the episodes so far. I like to learn something about random topics and, and you make it very clear and easy to understand. I'm looking forward to the second series. Julia. Well, Julia, this is the second series. Hopefully you are listening. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, isn't it? Nice. Didn't she say something about us helping her learn English? Yeah, I did actually edit that part out, but she said, uh, because she's German, it's also really helpful to improve my English. So thank you for the clear pronunciation. Now, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've stumbled over words on this podcast. So I'm not sure you'd listen, use me as a... I can't believe that. A, I can't believe that we're actually, uh, <laughs> actually helping, helping people with their English. But if you're, if you're listening around the world... If you're listening, um, like Julia was in Germany, you're listening in a, another country, what's the most extreme country we can have someone send us a message from? According to the stats, we do have somebody listening in Guatemala. <laughs> so if you are our one Guatemala listener, you let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So thanks very much, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed the episode. That just about wraps up weather. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, we will... See you all next week. We do, I'll repeat, we do have a really good topic expert interview coming up later in the week where we might clear up some of this and try and get it a bit more clear for everybody. But other than that, thank you very much. See you later. Get out there and share some knowledge. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. If you've got any thoughts or comments, please let us know. Hit us up on any of the socials. We might give you a shout out next week. Um, it's at Two Guys One Topic. Thank you again. Get out there and share some knowledge.